I've talked about this in some meditations that I've taught about thinking of my heart almost like this glowing light, sometimes covered in dirt, dust, and chains. And then yoga is just starting to break those chains away. And that's what really inspired me, feeling this glow like, wow, this I've been working out all my life, but never have I done a workout where I left feeling bright, feeling clear, feeling so connected to the world, to myself, and just full of joy. Hi, I'm Derek Mills. Welcome to The Glow Podcast. In this episode of The Glow Podcast, I again turn the mic over to a guest host. Dice Ida Klein is a glow teacher, and he interviews a fellow glow teacher, Alex Artimiak. I think you'll find that their conversation is like listening to a couple of friends who haven't been able to get together for a long time, who are both grateful for the opportunity. You'll also find their conversation to be a window into what it's like to teach yoga and what the practice expects of teachers. Dice and Alex discuss how during every yoga class, there are actually three classes going on. First, the class the teacher thinks they're teaching. Second, the class the student thinks they're taking. And finally, the class that is objectively happening. That sounds a bit complex, perhaps, but both Alex and Dice agree that when you stand in front of a yoga class and teach, you teach what you are. Yoga, they say, is about coming to terms with yourself as much for the teacher as it is for the student. I hope you enjoy Dice Ida Klein's conversation with Alex Artimiak. Before we start, I'd like to offer a trigger warning. In this episode, Alex briefly shares about how in 2011, he lost a close family member to suicide. Hey friends, my name is Dice Ida Klein. And I'm Alex Artimiak. And uh, we're essentially here to interview each other. Um, we are both GLOW teachers, very um, fortunate and have a lot of gratitude to be able to work at such an amazing, um, amazing place uh, with amazing teachers and a lot of, uh, yeah, just really good people. So um, today is just all about uh, kind of not prying, but picking into Alex's life. And I think Alex has a few questions for me as well. And we're just talking all things yoga and um, yeah, life, all of it. Yeah. So, um, Sounds good. yeah, yeah. So it's awesome to see you on here. I know we were kind of talking before this recording and, um, we were talking about the fact that first off we live one block away from each other, literally <laughs> we're one or two blocks away from each other. And we're recording at this moment in two different places. And two, we happen to not only work at glow together being, uh, coworkers there, but also coworkers at camp here in Santa Monica, but we haven't been able to see each other in quite a bit. So um, it's it's nice to see your face this way and for at least to hear your voice by the recording. So yeah, man, it's good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you too. Um, yeah, I've, you know, I've looked up to you for so many years. I, I actually, I think I first knew about you through Glow. Uh, I was introduced maybe a decade ago. I had taken Catherine uh, Beauty's class. I had taken your class. A friend of mine brought me to the old studio in Santa Monica where, you know, we could go and practice and meet all the teachers. And it was kind yeah. of like that trade off of we get to practice, we get to see all these people and then uh, the content would go up online. And I always thought it was just remarkable to see you kind of take off at that time. I felt like Glow was so far ahead of its um, ahead of its time. People weren't really streaming yet. Yeah. Uh, and so that's such an amazing way to to start your career or not start your career, but really to kind of take off in your career. I'm so interested to hear, 
you know, how was that process and how was that growth for you? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's that's already a really good takeoff point. I mean, it, it's so interesting to think about too, because what in 2022, the online digital age is so apparent, right? I mean, with everything and and like, uh, I, I think I yeah, I happened to stumble into yoga. I don't think there's any such thing as the right time. I think actually every time is the right time. It's just what happens. But it was serendipitous the way things kind of fell into place. Um, as far as the beginning, you know, like I was doing so much teaching publicly in Los Angeles at like Equinox and smaller studios, WeHo to South Bay to the Valley to downtown, right? All that drive. But Glow was the one place that was very much like a hub and a center. Um, and I believe it was actually Derek. Um Derek Mills, the CEO and the, really the founder, co-founder, along with uh, one of the lawyers at the time that happened to take my classes at Equinox. Um, I think he was taking my class, I think in 2009. And I remember, yeah, him just approaching me after a class, I believe at the Santa Monica Equinox and just saying, hey, I own this company called Yoga Glow. We're just, we've started up, I think they started around 2008 with Joe Tastula being the first teacher. And invited me into the space in 2010. So early 2010 is when I really signed on with Glow. And it was interesting to teach to a camera because I don't know, I'm very introverted, I believe. I feel like I am <laughs> um, in normal situations. But when it comes to sharing yoga or teaching, I feel like there's a switch that turns on. And I, oh, did we hear that beep? <laughs> I <should>. I <laughs> Do not disturb. Okay. Um, I feel like... Um, yeah, it was very interesting to be able to turn a switch on and almost like the extrovert in me comes out. But then to actually see that happen because it's being recorded was a very interesting phenomenon for me. But it has been a great learning tool in a sense, being able to watch the evolution of the way I share because of Glow um, for many reasons. Um, but I think as Glow has evolved and obviously the online space has evolved, it's been... Um, so fortunate i've been so fortunate to to kind of evolve as well um and it's it's um yeah just a lot of gratitude goes there um for me and also being able to reach out to people across the world it's been quite phenomenal so um yeah i i've, I've really enjoyed it and then now let me flip this real quick for you because i mean i know i i believe your beginnings with teaching yoga was here in la right it was it core yeah. power right yep so yeah, i started at core power um that was what like actually i started i mean my first class was and i don't know if we count it is 2003 uh, you know i'm still in high school and i'm taking some class in connecticut that's out of a gym um okay. and, and for me i think it's it, it's a uh, it's a common theme where I, i'm like oh i'm gonna work out and then i guess i'll stretch after so i'll just take this right. yoga class and i don't right. even think we had a mat there's just a big carpeted floor and we would all just stretch out on this floor. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, some of this stuff is really challenging. And it's such a fun balance uh, between what I'm working out on the, the strength that I'm building and, and how I can uh, understand, like, why am I building the strength? How does my body actually function? How does it work together? And how does it relate to the world? Right? Now, looking back, I see it. Back then, I think I was like, Oh, I'm just stretching. And it's kind of fun. Right. Uh, and then when I moved to California, that's when it really took off. And I, for me, coming to Core Power, it was it came at such an interesting time because I was going through stuff in my life. And uh, as I started to practice, I, I felt like every time I got to the mat, something would happen. There'd be mm -hmm. a shift in my mental space. There'd be a shift in my emotional space. 
and I could feel the bubbly energy that I had maybe growing up that gets darkened sometimes over time uh, yeah. when we go through, you know, the turmoils and the ups and downs of life, just starting to peel away. And I, I've talked mm. about this in some meditations that I've taught about thinking of my heart almost like this glowing light, sometimes covered in dirt, dust and chains. And then mm. yoga is just starting to like break those chains away. And, and I, that's what really inspired me feeling this glow like, wow, this I've been working out all my life, but never I, have I done a workout where I left feeling bright, feeling clear, feeling, mm. you know, so connected to the world, to myself and just full of joy. And so that's what took me into yoga. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's go all in and see what happens. So 2003 is like an introduction and it didn't necessarily stick back home in Connecticut, but then when was the move to LA? Actually, two, well, 2000, I guess it would have been 2002 was the intro. I moved to okay. LA in 2003 and then oh, okay. the actual stick is probably 2011. 2011. So. Okay. I mean, so I, I am honestly, you started yoga earlier than me. I, I think for me, it just, it was just like a, it like ended up on my radar and then it just took off. And for you, it kind of like ended up on your radar, kind of hung out on your radar, kind of hung out right. and then it just boom exploded. So 2010 is when you dove in for TT essentially or, or uh, yeah, I think that's, well, actually 2010 is when I, you know, and before core power, I was doing, uh, the yoga that shall not be named in the very hot room <laughs> with the 26 <laughs> postures. And actually, um, I remember taking that class and this was really what drew me to core power. I would take that class and then they offered up these challenges, like do 30 classes in 30 days, practice every day. Okay. Mm. Practice twice a day. And so at some point I'm doing three hours of yoga, maybe two, three times a week in this yeah. searing hot. Now what I understand is like not really controlled uh, temperature room. Um, I thought it was all very mindful at the time. I'm like, I feel my contacts are searing to my eyeballs, but I'm guessing that's part of the whole plan, right? That's um, what they want me to feel. That's supposed to bring things up. <laughs> Everything's intentional. Everything, yeah. And so when I went through that, I remember having these massive realizations, having my mind very clear mm. and leaving classes. And I sounded, my, my brain sounded like a child. It was like, why, why do you do this? Why do you do that? I started mm. questioning everything about my habits, my patterns, my reality. The difference was in that environment, the teacher, you sit on your mat, the teacher comes in, sits on a literal throne, right. teaches the class and then yeah. leaves. And you're in Shavasana and it's like, you never see them again. And so unless you do teacher training, you have zero access to have a conversation with someone that you look up to that's mm -hmm. been kind of guiding these realizations. And when I went to core power, the teacher would be at the front desk, checking us in. The teacher would be at the front desk, checking us out when we leave and right. really open to have those conversations. And that's what really drew me. I, I saw it as a place where community was really fostered much like this is kind of reminiscent yeah. of that. I know in the online space, like us being able to have this conversation and, and maybe talk shop and, and talk philosophy and talk modality and, and what yeah. really drew you into it or what was your journey like? So, right. No, yeah. that's, that's awesome, dude. Cause I mean, I mean, I remember my first experience with you, I mean, through our mutual friends, um, was at core power and it was over at the, not the Westwood one, but the one on Wilshire, yeah. East Santa Monica, or I guess it's West LA at that point. Um, but, right. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I just remember, um, taking the class and just, yeah, 
no judgment passed on anybody else, but sometimes, and I, I can be guilty of this too, but like a well-rounded practice in 75 minutes or 60 minutes, it's quite challenging to do. But I do remember walking out of your class and going, wow, he touched upon everything he possibly could and did it really well. And it wasn't fast. I didn't feel rushed. Oh, I hit home in all places. And not just the physicality of it, not just the physical side of things, but I remember you, yeah, you're, you're a person that I could close my eyes. And as you talk, I know that you're smiling both on the exterior and on the interior while you teach and share with us. And that was something that I very much took away from not only just the way a sequence went, but I remember this glow listeners, you got to listen up. That's, you probably experienced this, but like you could definitely sense that Alex has a very, very, um, yeah, I always just knew you, you are, you're pure yoga, man. You are, you are <laughs> built and made for this, this practice. And also you are definitely a conduit, which people I think can really absorb it really well. And I think, you know, not to blow smoke, but that was definitely something I picked up the first time I took your class. So it was wow. always, it was always a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the incredible thing about that, you know, they say there's always three classes happening. There's the class the teacher thinks they're teaching. There's the class the student thinks they're taking. And then there's the yeah. class that is just objectively happening. Right. And I'm <laughs> sure seeing you in uh, class, having already looked up to you, having never like had a real conversation with you, I was smiling and I was probably like focusing on my students and going like, Oh, that's dice is right there. <laughs> like, oh, man. oh my God. Let me just try not to mess this up. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, well, that, that, that's not where I was. I was definitely, I was immersed and in the zone with you. So no, I, I am, I've always appreciated that about you, you know, and I would sporadically take your classes here in LA, but, um, you know, it was awesome when, when you joined the glow team and I heard that you were on board. So I know that only, um, takes the you know this company but more than this community further i think that's one thing about glow is we have such diverse faculty and it's um yeah. you know everybody fills their role and it's not like a role that was needed it's just a role that only enhances what's already quite beautiful here so you know yeah. i think you don't think know it's... how many colors there are in the crayon box until you start like looking around yeah, well, then also you start realizing, well, if I take this crayon on this crayon, I mix them together. Whoa, it. <laughs> like now, now it's right. even even more bright and beautiful. So, um, yeah, man, it's 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 been quite awesome. Um, you know, uh, to keep that going, just with the idea, I, I, I had this question of because I feel like you always have a smile on your face. <laughs> is this because you feel you have an altruistic view on life? Because I feel like, like to like when I think of altruism and some, there's certain yoga teachers that are more like, not that you're not a realist, but some people are a little more sarcastic or a little bit more harsh in like their energy. I honestly find you to always be, yeah, there, there's this, there's this want to like help people and, 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 and deliver information and it has no hidden motive behind it. That's kind of what I get from you. And so I'm wondering, like, for you, have you always been like the, the happy kid? Were you that happy kid in class? Or were, I mean, or I mean, have I mean, we all have darker sides, but I feel like you have a pretty happy um, and yeah, altruistic view on life. And I think yeah, it's quite I, nice. <laughs> I, uh, I really, I mean, I really appreciate that. I wish I could say, I've, I've always said, um, and I think it, it it's similar to, and let me bounce this back off to something you said, where you were like, you felt like you're an introvert. Um, but then when you go to teach yoga, something clicks. 
Yeah. Right? And there's this part of you, you end up showing up in such an incredible way. And I mean this as you yourself, but also teachers in general, you end up showing up as almost this um, hyper present version of yourself. Mm. And every thought that might identify you as an introvert fades away because all of a sudden you're there for your students and you're yeah. there for also yourself. You're there to experience it. And I, I'm really impressed that you picked up on this idea of like being a conduit because I, I really do wholeheartedly believe, uh, wholeheartedly believe that you know we don't teach what we think we're teaching or what we say. We teach what we are. Mm. And I think one of the biggest um, challenges, but also the biggest <clears throat> excuse me gifts as a teacher is that we come in and the teacher role, and I think the biggest difference between a teacher and a student is a student can come in with whatever's going on in their life. They can come in super distracted. They can come in super upset. They can come up super down. That's what the yoga is here to help them understand and, and to process and hopefully feel that sense of lightness as they leave the mat behind. And my hope for myself and for my fellow teachers who lead classes is that you do that work before you get to the class, that that really is one of the big distinguishing factors that the teacher has already practiced before they step onto the mat and they've already cleared maybe some of the stuff that's going on. And I can't say, you know, obviously I, I've, I'm definitely not 100% all the time with that, but it is something that mm -hmm. lives in my heart's intention. And, you know, growing up, I, I think I had a nickname of like sunshine or something, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because by the time I got to yoga, I was probably more like storm cloud. <laughs> and that's what I mean is, is yoga really is a coming back to yourself and, and maybe that ability to consciously choose. And, you know, the storm clouds really are this depiction of, of all this stuff in the environment. Um, you know, if we're on the earth and we're looking up at the sky, we see these storm clouds and we're like, wow, it might rain. It could be dark. It could be forever. But if we give it time and if we uh, allow ourselves to be open to it, you know, those storm clouds are always going to pass. Once the balance has been brought back, the sun's going to shine again. Absolutely. And, uh, I think that's, you know, having practices, I think for me, practices that, that help me remember the light that comes from within and know that whatever is going on, those thoughts that can push us into the negative space, mm -hmm. it's just stuff. It's stuff that surrounds, you know, and in, in not to go super philosophical, but that Manamaya Kosha, the sheath of mental mm -hmm. noise and thinking of the soul as this brilliant light, like the sun that sits inside that gets darkened when, when these different sheaths or these different layers of ourselves are just parts that we get so fixated on, like our physical body and, and our, maybe our thoughts and our desires and the goals that we want to set in life. And it can just kind of hide this beautiful light. And so right. I think the process for us is to always like get back to that light as often as possible. Well, I believe it, like you said, I mean, there's so much Maya, there are, there's the illusions that kind of build up or stack and it's like trying to get through those points to see what was so clear behind it, or it's always there. And even the, the cloud analogy, I feel like we also have to remember that beyond those clouds, if you think about actual science above those clouds, there is sun. It's just, it's just clouded out. So it's there, you know? Yeah. And to piggyback on that, because you brought up a great point about, you said not to get philosophical, but I mean, <laughs> I personally, again, you know, speaking to those of you that are listening and those of you that, you know, practice with Alex Anglo, I think that's one element 
I, I can't say it's an old way of teaching because I think that is one of not the only way that it should be taught that that's the wrong way to say it. But what I remember of the older generations that taught, if we think about like Richard Freeman, um, mm. you think about even uh, like even Annie Carpenter, or even Mati, like they, they always had a physical element to the way they taught, right? They talked about the body, but they were so great at weaving in the philosoph the philosophical elements of yoga, the philosophy of yoga. And I think that that art, it is an art, but it also is, I think, such a foundation. It's slowly getting muddled a little bit mm. and almost, almost in a way being lost. And I'm, again, guilty of it because I don't have as much philosophy in the way that I share at present time. I feel like you have an old soul about you in the way that you share at times. And that was one thing I always recognized about you from the get-go is you, you drop little philosophical nuggets. You do have, and you have a great wealth of knowledge when it comes to yoga philosophy, the sutras, everything along those lines. Um, can you tell me or tell us more about that? Because I think it's something that fascinates you as much as the physical side of things. You can tell like the way you share. I think, and um, and for those of you that haven't listened, I you know before we recorded this podcast, I had an opportunity to listen to the podcast with Jason and Dice, and I, I definitely recommend it. It's an amazing listen to hear uh, you know, Dice's experience coming up, but I'm going to talk a little bit about something that I heard, which is when you got to yoga, um, I remember, I believe you took, did you take Mati's class? Was that your first class? No, no. First class was Sarah Ivanhoe, actually. Sarah uh, Ivanhoe. Oh, yeah, one yeah. of our glow. One of uh, our glow. Member, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, worker, uh, our glow leads. Yeah, yeah, leads. There we go. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Sarah. And, <laughs> yeah. and you had said something very fascinating, like you got into the class and you saw people inverting and you saw people doing all these things um, and you couldn't do it. And there was a part of you that was like, wow, I... I want to know. I want to know how do you do that? And so you showed up the next day and you just kept coming back and you kept coming back. Yeah. And and I feel like it's so fascinating because it's almost like that little seed that was planted on the first day for you is if we all look at it, your inversion practice, your arm balance practice is second to none. It's an incredible thing. It You could be on the Cirque du Soleil. Everybody says that mm -hmm. about teachers, but I'm like, I look at you and I'm like, you could be on the Cirque du Soleil mm -hmm. and, and I see it. And I know you are so, uh, you're very humble, um, about your practice. And what I also want to say to that is I see the curiosity that it's not just a here, here's me going into a one arm, this, a two arm, that transitioning from this to this, those things, when I look at you practice, when I catch you practicing while well, I'm doing my own practice, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> is no, watch I, us enough. no, watch right? us enough. <laughs> I, I go, you know, he's not doing that because he can do that. He's doing that as an expression of curiosity. And I can see the mindfulness in which you link things together. Things sometimes I've never seen linked together like that. And, and it same goes, for your flows. You and I have, uh, sorry, this is a little bit of a side note. You got, you and I, I think have an affinity for Ardhamatsi and Drasana. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you love that pose. I love that pose. And when I think of you, I think you are like this exquisite cuisine chef who serves me Ardhamatsi and Drasana like 100 different ways. And, and every time I think that you can't do it another way. Like I've, I've had the souffle of Artemis and Trust. I've had, you know, I've had it all. 
we were in some pose and then all of a sudden you're like and now you just bring your knee over here and look you're in artemisian dress and i'm like oh every time how did i get here and it makes total sense and again it's not like i know that you're not thinking there's a million ways to get into artemisian dress and there's just this curiosity and an affinity and because of that curiosity and because of your uh, practice and your discipline, you just end up kind of getting back into that place and in all these incredible ways. And it's such a pleasure to, to see that, that inquisition happening um, when you teach. And so to, to mirror that, I think what happened for you with those inversions happened for me. Like I said, you know, I appreciate you thinking that I have a really altruistic and, and upbeat personality. And I think <laughs> I think that for the most part I do. But I also did come from a from a darker time. 2011 was a really tough time in my life. I mm. had lost a really close family member to suicide. Uh, mm. I had moments of like, what am I doing in Los Angeles? Did I make a giant mistake? Should I be living in Connecticut? Should I have, you know, stayed with my high school sweetheart? Should I have taken a much more narrow path? Mm. So many doubts, so many questions. And yoga was a place of solace for me where I felt that light come up. And so in a way, your curiosity that led you to really understand arm balances was the same for me. I, I felt this kind of bright light click back on that I hadn't felt in a while. And when I felt that, I was like, wait, no drugs, just breath, my yoga mat and physical shapes of the body. Mm. I need to understand. I need to like, I want to know. And, and in doing that, I learned about the philosophy. I dove deep into the sutras and I studied mm -hmm. the Bhagavad Gita and I went to Kirtans and I learned from, from different teachers all to understand and, and to, in a way to distill, how could I recreate these experiences? Because I would do yoga and I would just feel light. And at mm -hmm. some point you get curious and you're like, why do I feel light? Like what? What are the actual elements that got me to this place? And if you can understand those elements, then you can recombine them and you can prepare, you know, an experience as a teacher to mm -hmm. hopefully guide your students in that same way. So, yeah, no, I think that fair. was the... that's, yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautifully said. I think to touch upon certain things, like first off, thank you for that kind reflection uh, back in my direction. Artemisi and Drasana Brothers. I will, I will, I will remember that. We'll get tattoos. Uh, then, <laughs> um, but I think no, it's it's a beautiful, I think, self reflection that you've made about how, you know, how, how can I take these discoveries that I'm having personally through my practice, through some maybe another teacher who's sharing these things, but essentially getting me to feel these things, or I'm feeling these things, and then how do I package that? reconfigure the equation and try to make it accessible for other people. You know, um, I think that's, that is, um, truly the essence of what we do as I, you know, teachers, sharers of, of this beautiful thing. And I think that mindset to me, I think that is an old paradigm or traditional thing that I hope it gets held onto with generations of teachers like us and now those that are coming even behind us at this point. I think that that kind of way of thinking is very not egoless, but I think that that is what promotes the beauty of what yoga is, you know, and I think that's um, as beautifully put with your words um, to say it that way. 
I have a segue that I wanted to go into with questions that I wanted to ask you about, about the modernization of what we call yoga, especially here in the West. So I think, go ahead and say what you're going to say. And then I would love to kind of, I keep trying to piggyback because you keep guiding us perfectly. Where well, <laughs> actually, and, and this is, I, you know, I, this question I have for you is, is kind of in the same realm. And I think it will lead to that modernization and, and see where that, uh, where we go from there. Um, yeah. But I have to say, I think when I take your classes, I definitely understand you are an incredibly smart anatomical teacher. Um, and I see the modern concepts, uh, you know, like functional range conditioning. Um, I can see where you're going. And, and, you know, just to go back to that podcast with Jason, you, he, he noted something very spectacular. He was very observant. He said, at some point in your glow career, you were, you start, you stopped saying, uh, hello yogis. You started saying hello yoga friends or hello yogis and fellow movers. And so you actually nodded to the fact that this is a movement based practice. And mm -hmm. why should we, you know, if, if I say yoga, then gosh, it's like the three classes, the student's going to have an idea of what yoga is. Yep. There's an objective idea of what yoga is. And then the teacher has an idea of what their yoga is. And by saying movers, you almost take away the expectation off of it's going to be dogmatic. Here comes a bunch of Sanskrit. Here comes some pranayama. Here comes this. But oddly enough, having said that, I see in you a great deal of philosophical knowledge. Um, and so I, I have this question and, you know, I hope it's not too... Um, too deep or too too much or too there's no strange. too deep okay. no too deep. <laughs> i was like i don't know i've always wanted and, to ask and, this and i appreciate that you see some sort of philosophy in me because sometimes i wonder where the philosophy is but i appreciate the, the thought so let's go well so my question for you is uh, are there things that interest you as a student of yoga that you feel uncomfortable with as a teacher Ooh, like we all, so we have these interests, right? And then it's like, yeah. how high do I fly which flag? Because mm -hmm. as a teacher, I want to embody this and this is what I want to present. But as a student, here's what I'm really interested in. Here's what, mm -hmm. I, here's what I'm stoked on. Yeah, I mean, um, so wonderful question. I think, so like the flags that I've learned to fly high, the anatomy, the movement, the functional movement. And as of late, more and more pranayama, which... I think back in the day was more the interest. It still is the interest as a student, but it was like, no, nah, I can't teach Veloma one. No, I can't teach Samavritti. I can't teach Nadishun, all, all the all the things. But as I practiced more, it, that curiosity fueled then, okay, I feel like I can start to share this. I think personally, my knowledge of yoga philosophy is at the 200 hour level, honestly. And, you know, being brutally honest with everyone, it's like, even on the 300 hour level, there's a lot that's introduced, but I, I realize there's so much more beyond numbers, obviously, within yoga philosophy. And I think if the inquiry and the curiosity isn't there, so to speak, then I don't have the place to share it yet, right? Um, but now more than ever in my life with everything that's been going on within the world and in my personal life, there's definitely this starting to like go back into different yoga books that I put down since like teacher training some 15 years ago. And like, even like the Gita, if I, if I pull that back out, it's interesting because back, I remember in 2008, when I took my teacher training, I remember asking him, um, his name is Anthony Beninati. I don't know if he's teaching anymore. He was an Anisara-based teacher out in West Hollywood at a place called City Yoga. 
I, I remember saying to him, he asked about the Gita, how's it going? I'm like, I can't do it. It's so boring. It makes no <laughs> sense. I just, and he's like, that's fine. That totally makes sense for a lot of people. And also for a lot of people, it's, they read through it and they love it. He's like, you'll come back to that book and it'll mean something to you at different points in your life. And definitely as of late, rereading the Gita uh, just a few months ago, yeah, it, it holds true to like, yeah, just personally, the, the battles more inside and mm -hmm. how, um, how, to, how to come out of that and, and how I come out of that, how I choose to come out of that. Um, yeah, so, so the philosophy side of things I think has become more and more pertinent again. The curiosity is there as a student and it continues to build but it's still the thing that I'm more curious as a student and do not feel worthy enough to share <laughs> as the teacher. That is definitely one element. Um, and I think I'm more uh, drawn towards, I like being a beginner at anything, you know, mm. but I think when it comes to somehow the movement of the body, I like being a beginner at it. And then breaking that down, like I'm breaking apart a computer and its pieces. And then I quickly will want to share it because I think I'm just more drawn to that, that somehow that's where I've always been pulled into. The philosophy for me, I think is so much more, honestly, it's way more deep. It's not as superficial as the anatomy of things really. And I think those deeper layers for me are almost selfishly, not only do I feel not able to share them, but also selfishly, I want to keep them for myself sometimes, I think, when I think about it. there's um, mm. Maybe it's because it's deeper portions of myself that I maybe don't want to share as much while wow, we're getting deep. But anyway, <laughs> it almost feels, like, almost feels like therapy. But yeah, <laughs> just to go back, to answer your question, I think the philo philosophical side of, of yoga especially, something I'm curious in, but maybe not so keen to share quite yet. But I believe that there's so many other philosophies in life that obviously aren't just yoga based that you can implement into yoga, right? I mean, there's so many different schools and modalities within ways of thinking that I think we do implement and that I feel comfortable with talking about. Um, but yeah, yeah, being, being a student first, teacher second is something that I think rings true all the time. I think it does for you as well. And I think you, you said it best is that, that curiosity is like the, that's the fuel yeah. And I think, you know, and I think that goes for as a practitioner in any realm, it's the curiosity that's always going to progress you further. Not that that maybe that's the end goal or the, the idea, but even especially as a teacher, for those of you that may be listening that are teachers, it's like, stay curious, you know, um, I don't know, you know how that, we went this way, but, <laughs> but well, the, yeah. the interesting thing though, is that, you know, one of the, one of the pillars of yogic philosophy is Svadhyaya, which is self-study. And yeah. though you might not call yourself like a philosophical devotee, right? Or a bhakti <laughs> or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. There's something so profound, like the idea of curiosity reminds me of this one saying that in the search for God, there are three types of people. There's the person who prays and we don't, you know, we don't have to say God, but if you've ever prayed, if you've ever really wanted something. Mm. Um, wholeheartedly there's three there's three types of people generally there's the person who is in trouble and they're like oh god, oh god <laughs> please save my skin <laughs> you know like it's i i tried everything i could and i got nothing left so i heard that some every once in a while you'll pull us out of some stuff so here we go you know <laughs> um, 
so that's one person. Then there's a second person um, who isn't in trouble, but want, that desires some sort of piety. They want fame, they want riches, they want advancement and growth in their career. So like, oh God, you know, please send me the job application. Oh God, help me on this. Let me get to that place. And then the third person is the person who takes a step back and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me when I pray, this benevolent force pulls me out of trouble. And when I pray, this benevolent force bestows upon me these great gifts and, and personal boons. You know, I kind of want to know what's going on there. And so <laughs> that's the curiosity that you're talking about, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and it's said that for those who just want to get out of trouble, the moment you're out of trouble, God's gone. Or prayer is gone. You just don't need it. You're like, hey, thanks, right. dad. I got it. You know, toodles until I need my allowance again. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. the same with somebody who, who wants something is they get what they want and they celebrate it. They celebrate themselves during it. Uh, and then at some point that all fades and they're left right. back in that same space of like feeling like something's missing. And then the person that stays curious, they're never satisfied until they arrive at some sort of understanding and, you know, that not saying that God's necessarily something out there, but something within themselves, like maybe prayer is, is a form of meditation of quieting your own mind and reforming and, and recombining and restructuring your own thoughts so that your energy is clear mm -hmm. and clean enough. So we're just taking an outside perspective that that's really changing what's happening inside. And I think your right. curiosity that you find on the mat and the way that you do that, um, is is just so in line with this idea of Svedaya. Like you have this brilliant curiosity. Like I said, you know, every time I take your class, I'm like, how do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> and I just um, I'm like, you're just exploring. Absolutely. Exploration is key. <laughs> we, we, I think we we both have said that in so many different ways. And you know, I think with our students too, that's that's kind of what we drive home is like we're merely again the conduit or the guide, but like, you know, the way you're gonna step your right foot forward is really up to you. I can't really tell you how to get beyond that point. It's just like that is the way. And if you choose to, you can go down that way, you know. Right. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, and obviously it goes through so many levels as far as teaching and sharing this thing. It yeah. It keeps evolving so heavily. Um, and, you know, the way I look at teaching, though, seems to continuously revolve in the same path. And I don't know if this is the case for you, but like just that that desire and want to be like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. It makes me feel amazing. OK, how do I repackage this? Like you said earlier, how do I how, how do I how do I get this information to you? Because I want you to see it. Um, but, you know, uh, that 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 kind of stays the same, but maybe the method of getting people around the water or to drink the water is just that's what keeps evolving, um, you know. Yeah. With with my own exploration, um, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, that makes total sense. I think that's such a good segue to like the modernization of yoga, and, and I'm not sure like what exactly your question was with that, but yeah. can I bring you back to that if you want. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, no, definitely. I mean, to, to, to try to try to bring it all back was like, you know, what I was saying was that you as a newer generation teacher, and we were saying this before we started recording, that I was like, <laughs> the younger generation, you're like, well, Dice, I'm not that much younger than you. I'm only like a year younger. I was like, no, 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 our generation, like we, teacher, yeah. not, not like you and I are separate. Um, because obviously, there are teachers 
in generations above us if we go with like I mean, I think Jason Dance is actually on the cusp, but I think he has oh, been yeah. teaching longer than both of us. Um, but oh, for sure. I feel like he totally straddles the line because I feel like we're, we're in his generation, but also I feel like Jason's a senior teacher at the same time. So there oh, you go, Jason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but like, but if you look at Annie, uh, you look at, yeah, Richard Freeman, um, you look at T.S. Little, uh, yeah, even like for me, like Noah Maze and Darren Rhodes, those guys, um, mm. I think they're a little bit, ahead you know they were ahead uh, of us but now where we are and where there there are new age not new age <laughs> but newer teachers coming in underneath us essentially not to put a vertical scale on it but you know what i mean sure, time sure, yeah, 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 yeah. um it is interesting with the advent of social media mm. to think about the direction of people as as they begin to teach yoga and the modern form and how that i mean there's so many ways i could take this but the thing that i think i'm going for is how do you feel essentially about yoga as a whole especially from a teaching perspective but also even a practice perspective as social media has really kind of boomed in the last 10 years you know and as we use it too because we both obviously use it to a certain degree for the business side and for personal things sure but it is for me personally and i'll share after it's it's i have such a dance and it's such a weird dance at times where i feel like i'm in 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 uh, alignment and feeling like oh yeah samba oh yeah feeling good <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like what break dancing uh uh nope hip-hop nope contemporary no it's like all over and i feel yeah. so so at war internally mm. sorry that's all me how do you feel i know it's a general question but like what's been your experience with social media as you've developed since let's say 2010 2011 you know, I, yeah, I mean, that's such a fantastic question. I think it's just so relevant. I mean, you know, I, I came from core power and for people who don't have never heard of it, it's kind of like, I think at one point it was called the Starbucks of yoga. So even though you and I are in the same kind of timeline, I would still say like, you're a little bit older generation than me, just because like, I came in a time where you, you took yoga from yoga works and yeah, I took lot, yoga yeah. from core power and there was a very different philosophy mm. and we were taught to, you know, at the time it was called ditch the dogma, which sounds a little too harsh in the modern day, but to loosen up on the purely philosophical things uh, that are like directly quotes from the, from, you know, maybe the Gita or the sutras in mm -hmm. an effort to create a bridge and I love this about um, that place, the, the core power where I came from, which is, you know, I taught vinyasa, I taught HPF at some points, I even taught sculpt. And I mean, you know, for a lower yeah. lift pulse, it's a pretty much a hit class. Uh, but I can tell you, um, there are people that would never, ever even know what yoga is. If it mm -hmm. wasn't for those sculpt classes, they would never have taken a vinyasa class or a restorative class or gotten into meditation or breath work if it mm. wasn't for that bridge being built. And the same is true for social media. There are people that are just scrolling through their feed and all of a sudden they maybe see, they're looking at people doing calisthenics and then maybe they come across your page and like, whoa, look at this guy. What's he doing? Oh, this is yoga. That's yoga. I thought yoga was sitting and stretching and yawning and stuff. And so all of a mm. sudden, there's so many uh, branches that are reaching out. There's so many flowers for people to smell. Uh, having said that, 
it is so far out that one could say, hey, at some point we have to recognize the fact that it's getting diluted, that, mm. you know, yoga is not necessary, you know, it's not the things we wear, it's not the poses that we do, that at some point I, it is my hope that myself and, and others will return to the source or at least have the curiosity to ask what that is. Cause I don't, I don't want to proclaim that. Like, I know what the source of yoga is, you know, I'm right. teaching from the one true place, but <laughs> <laughs> um, there is, what do you mean? There I, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I think that the, in, in the, in the curiosity of things, there will always be a question for those that are sensitive enough to hear it. If you're, if you're distracted by, the social media game and that stuff, you might not hear it, but mm. there will be moments in Shavasana where you'll drop to places and you'll say, where am I and what is that? And and why is it that I can have a really rough week or have a really bad day? And then 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour long yoga class goes by and all of a sudden something's changed. And it is my hope that that curiosity will kind of linger in people's hearts. And I think no matter what happens, it's almost... It's like saying, you know, um, there's a source code to every electronic that we have. And mm -hmm. for anybody that wants to tinker into their computer, into their laptop or into their body, you're going to eventually figure out what that source code is. Mm -hmm. um, and so how can we as teachers foster that curiosity? And first of all, you know, it's part of our own practice to, to understand it for ourselves. But then, like you said, you know, okay, I think I got it. Am I ready to communicate that? I'm not 100% sure that I've got a strong <laughs> enough grasp to communicate that. I, you know, And it's always going to come out funny, but you never know. You never know that the things you say, how they're going to land. For some person, they might. it just might be the right day. Like I can't tell you. And I, this is where it kind of sounds a little bit strange, but maybe you can, um, you can share moments where this happens to you. There'll be classes where I have a plan, but I also... You know, I think it's good to have a plan, but also be open to the moment and just start to go with the flow. And mm -hmm. in doing that, other times I'll say something and I'll literally say this incredibly poetic sentence. And I, Alex, am saying it, but something in the back of my mind is actually hearing me say it, going, where did that come from? <laughs> and like, wow, that's that's gorgeous. And like you don't have the faculty to have conjured that one on your own. Like it, it is, you're in a state of consciousness and all of a sudden the words form themselves. And then I've had students mm -hmm. come up to me after like, what was that thing you said? And I'll try <laughs> to piece it together. And it's and it, so like terrible. <laughs> well, I think that's, that, those are the moments of like transmission. Like again, God, universe, whatever, you, you don't have to believe in these things, but I do think it's, it, it, it's again, you being a conduit and something just... Just let yeah. it happen. Yeah, it just came through you. Um, sorry to to cut you off, but I just said no, you know, no. I think that's. Um, <laughs> I so I, I think I don't know if this fully answers your question, and you know, corral me back no, in if it, it does. Not, but that so it, in a way, I think the more people that know about yoga, the mm. the more people that are introduced to yoga, the more opportunities there are to to come back to that source for those that that it's part of their path. And, and I think as teachers and, and beings and, you know, if spiritual or whatever, we have to both say, I think Alan Watts said it best, like, 
everybody's on a journey and maybe they're walking for a while out in the sun. And I want you to think of me less as a guide or a leader that you should follow. I'm just a tree. I'm just a tree out there on your journey. And would you like to rest in the shade of this moment with me? Well, that would be fine. <laughs> and if you don't, if you look at this tree and you're like, mm, that tree looks weird to me, I'm going to walk on by, right? That's, you know, that's, I have to accept that. That's actually part of my own practice to be like, you know, that's just not, it's not where you're at and it's not where I'm at. We're just not in that same moment. And I'm still going to mm -hmm. continue to keep my heart open and, and see, and be there for those who are uh, ready to receive what I'm saying. And I know that someone else is going to be a tree for that person or that person yeah. will, will come around and, and say, you know, at some point they'll return back on their journey and, and find out that the things that they walk by um, eat through what we might call as a diluted practice. All of a sudden there were deeper things in there. I just think that some way the transmissions are coming through and if we can keep our hearts open, then there's just no stopping it. And I think that therein lies almost the trick, which is, can we keep our hearts open? Do we get in our heads about what this yoga thing is? And, mm -hmm. and I know I'm also guilty of that, of like, oh, is my sequence creative enough? Do I sound right. enough like dice? Do, you know, oh. do I... <laughs> but it's true. You know, I came here as uh, as a new teacher, and I, you know, I looked up to you, and I look up to Jace, and I look up to Annie, and and there is a part that's like, you know, Shakespeare said it best. You know, to thine own self be true. But at the same time, I, I want to do a service to the people of Glow and to the people of my yoga community. And if they're connected to you, I'm like, maybe what is it about your teaching that that I can not fully absorb, but like, let that kind of color my perception a little. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we're, I think the inspiration is there to, to pull upon people that have touched you or at least move you in some way. And then in that same way, you, you emulate those people, especially in the, in the profession mm -hmm. that we're in. And I think, I forgot who it was. It might actually been Brock, um, Brock Ejo, who's one of my foremost teachers from the very beginning and now happens to be at camp, which I'm so stoked about, um, that said, you know, really for the first five to seven years, you're emulating. You, when you're up there, mm. you're actually, you are you, oh, yeah. but you have many pieces of all your teachers. And then after about year five or seven, you're always going to have those elements of them in you, but you do start to deliver as yourself in a way. And obviously that number could be different with everybody, but I think that is true that it's just, it's just the experience collected. And I think, you know, I don't know, from what I always gathered very early on, I think you are you and, you know, we all are inspired by each other. So I'm inspired by you when I teach. And I think that that's, that is the beautiful thing to kind of piece together is my view with like social media is that I happened to start teaching prior to it and mm. teach in the middle in more of its infancy. And now I feel like not that it's, I think it's still in its infancy, honestly. I still think it's, it's still changing shape so much. Um, but it is so interesting to watch the evolution of social media, of yoga and social media, and even myself as a person, practitioner, and teacher in social media. Um, and I think I, I loved what you said, just to kind of tie into that, is that how, how, not from like a business standpoint, but how do we get people to be to to be interested in in yoga and what what is yoga? What what are those things? And I think with social media, it's given more. You said flowers that people can kind of smell on different kinds of flowers to kind of smell to hopefully get back to the root of it to get back to the source 
of what yoga really is. And I think that is a beautiful way to say that there's a lot of beauty that has emerged and blossomed from having something like social media because it's its own conduit in a sense, Mm -hmm. you know, but true to human fashion, we like to take certain things that give us a lot of wealth and a lot of beauty. And we almost try to magnify that beauty thinking that that will bring more beauty at times. And sometimes it actually gives too much to the point where people no longer appreciate what was more the source of the, the, the foundation of it all. Um, and that's where I think within social media, there can be a lot of distractions and how, how do we, how do I not be more of a distraction for people, you know, and that that's kind of the thing that I really dance with a lot. Um, but I think what you said was, you know, really beautiful about how do we get people in the door? And then the hope is that, once they're in the door, that that inquiry of what the essence of yoga is, which I think is self-inquiry, self-study, and then bringing it all back to, you know, you, me as myself is also greatly connected to the whole. I am the universe as much as you are, and we are all one in that way. But in order to understand that, sometimes I have to go back to myself and think of myself as one, and then it comes full circle. And so I think pulling people in, that way and through social media has been beautiful i just see at times within myself again that dance of like am i serving people or am i only adding to the to the muck you know to the the shit sorry you know (laughs) Um, but that's that's what it does that's where i dance and that's why i asked you the question i just want to see where you sit with it because it's like some days are super happy and like confident about how it is and then other days it's like, oh, but you are totally perpetuating all that you maybe don't exactly feel is right at times, you know? Um, and that's, that is the, that is the, the, um, the juggle in a way, you know, um, how, yeah. how do you keep that pure and quote unquote authentic to yourself and to yoga, but then also how, 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 how do you stay open? And I think you said it's love, it's staying open. It's keeping the heart open and not closing off because the truth is at the heart of yoga, sometimes people can become so they see where yoga has gone in the, especially in the West and with the advent of social media, and they almost harden to protect the essence of yoga to the point where they start to push other things away and say, that's not yoga. That's not yoga. That's not yoga, which I think if you really look at it from an outside perspective or a third person, my heart goes, but now you're, 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 you're no longer soft about it. You're no longer inclusive. Now you're becoming exclusive, which I thought the whole practice was about inclusivity in a sense. And I, I get so confused at times when someone becomes so dogmatic and you almost angry at other right. people about it. And it's like, well, now, although you may be more quote unquote yogic, aren't you missing the point now in a certain way at a certain time, the yeah. heart open, understand yourself, learn to love, learn to appreciate the dark, the heavy, the light, the, all those parts of you, like that's the experience. I think that, that yoga is not, not understanding all this knowledge and being able to spit from a book, but like mm. really getting back to that. You said it's source. Um, I don't know. And so that's been the dance. <laughs> Oddly enough, this is a bit of a paradox. Um, is I, I just started reading the, 
forgetting the unknown it's a it's a krishnamurti book um and he really he talks about this exact thing where we can get so dogmatic and you know all the religions in all the world to from the day they started to 2022 have not solved the issue of world peace we have mm -hmm. to admit that you know yeah so it's not they don't have the answer because we're not there right. and so in a way he kind of goes against it saying you know it is up to each of us as individuals to understand ourselves and mm. we can take things from different philosophies but at the end of the day it's going to be you and yourself and nobody can tell you what your journey is supposed to look like or your journey has to be or the the correct way to the source because even if we're super honest if i say the word dog you're going to think of a different dog than I'm thinking of because, mm -hmm. you know, like we can't even agree on a single word. How can we agree on a sentence? When you say that, I think of Shiva um, <laughs> teaching a fish how to become a... <laughs> so I'm like, I wonder if that is where you went. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about the entry. I'm like, do I gable grab my uh, top thigh before I <laughs> get into this? Um, <laughs> uh, now I've lost my train. Of sorry, thought. sorry. You were saying if, if if someone says dog, you you think about we could be thinking about two different right. Kinds of dogs. Oh, so so the whole thing, you know, and and to your to your point, you know, I yoga has so much fundamentals in ahimsa, which mm -hmm. is nonviolence, and mm -hmm. so I need to yell at you in order to make you understand that you're not a good yogi. I'm like, where was the ahimsa in that? You mm -hmm. know, and. And, uh, you know, again, to quote Shakespeare, the bard really had some good stuff. It's like, methinks the lady doth protest too much. If you are in a point where you're so reactive to the world that you feel like you need to change it and control it, it probably points to an insecurity about your own belief mm -hmm. system. And you're just mm -hmm. afraid of letting it crumble. You're, you're holding on to what you think yoga has to be and denying all these other things when maybe the the process is to not tell everyone else what yoga is, but actually inquire in it for yourself. And in doing so, you become this kind of this beacon again, this conduit of information that holds space to understand that people are going through their own stuff. And, you know, be that tree if if they're open to receive it. Like if I had an amazing cue and there's two students and one of them is really wondering how something in their body works. And then I say that cue and they're like, got it, mm -hmm. right? To them, that amazing cue landed. Someone mm -hmm. else might be working on something completely different. I've been working on this cue for years. It makes total sense to me. I hit it, I say it. One person, you can see the eyes just like shine mm -hmm. like stars. They're like, oh my gosh, this one cue has changed everything about Artemisia and Drasana, right? <laughs> and the other person's just picking their toes. Yep. Were they ready to receive the information was I open? Can the best that I can do is open myself to share the information for those who are ready to receive it, and to not push it too far, because to, you know, to something that you said, it might actually close off somebody who is on the fence. All of a sudden, exactly. it feels very pushy, and and they don't feel welcome. And I think you do such a good job of of including such a vast majority of people, getting them interested in in yoga, and you have whether you know it or not, a very deeply, I think, spiritual practice in the way that 
you're curious and, and in the intentions that you set when you go to teach, I can feel a lot of love in how you're helping people. I don't think I've ever seen you like run out of class. You've always been so amped when somebody has a question to sit down and like address what that is. I can see mm -hmm. like the lights kind of shine. I think that's, that's back to circling it full. Um, when you were like, you know, you see yourself as an introvert, when you're talking to somebody who's like, hey, Dice, the other day we took Brock's workshop together and somebody was like, Dice, I don't think I can get my wrists into this range. I saw you just like light up and you're like, I have the answer to that. And you're sharing it from this place of like, really, be it's beautiful. And no. you're not thinking I'm an introvert. You're like, here's the information and I get to transmit it right now. And yeah. here it is. And yeah. hopefully it helps and, and maybe it lands, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, but it's worth worth the shot. You need to no. I, I thank you again for that reflection. I think it's. I think we are privileged, my friend, to do what we do. I mean, even to be here on this podcast talking to one another about, I mean, all things. You know, for us, it's highly interesting. For other people, I, might not be, but you know, <laughs> I think people. I think people might be interested. I hope they are. I know, and you know, you know, if nothing yeah. else, they say the greatest things are the things that we're most interested in, and I, and hopefully, Absolutely. if nothing else, they get the vibe of like, wow, two impassioned people having yeah. a conversation. They could be talking about, you know. Well, selfishly, uh, it fills my joy cup. I'm in nothing but <laughs> smiles the whole time. Like they don't get to see our recording of when we get to see each other through the camera, you know? So I think that's um, true. But again, I think you all can hear Alex is smiling. Hopefully you can hear my smile as well. Um, <laughs> just being able to discuss this stuff and really kind of, um, yeah, tap into what is present for us uh, as teachers now and kind of our, our story from back then until and moving forward into the future. Um, I know we're running a little bit out of time, but I did have just one last go question. For it. You can, yeah, okay, man. cool. My, my last question is, and it, I think it's a really great time for all of this is, is to you um, as both a teacher and, and a practitioner, you know, what makes a great class? Is there a central theme <laughs> that underlies how you teach? Is there this like maybe this one seed or this one idea that is kind of transcended it, it exists in all of your classes. Um, yep. Or if that's too heady, then like, how do you want your students to feel by the time the class is finished? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think the, the first question is very true. It, it rings true because I'm, I'm, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with the, the camp Tampa yogis uh, for the past three months. I've been mentoring like six different teachers and, and wow. meeting with them 30 minutes. Some of them are every week. Some of them are every other week. And, meeting with them and it's it's been a great learning process for me they don't they don't maybe they don't know that but to all of you if you are listening like i mean every every situation every experience is obviously a learning situation if you look at it that way and i think for me trying to quote unquote mentor people they don't realize they're mentoring me into being a better mm -hmm. listener and teacher and trying to understand people better i think the reason i'm saying that what makes a beautiful class it Look, sequence, yes. Understanding of anatomy, yes. Cueing, philosophy, sure. Those things do matter. It's not like they don't because you could teach. I think it's possible to have a pretty, not horrible sequence, but a sequence that may be unsafe or doesn't, mm -hmm. in my eyes, isn't as adaptable for almost everybody. You can't please everybody, but I think there are ways to make it accessible for the most part for gen pop, for a general population. Personally, in the end, what it will come down to, though, in my eyes, speaks back to kind of what we talked about is who the person is more or less outside of the yoga space doesn't have to be the doesn't have to be the same when you teach. But I do think it goes a long way 
when people are authentically themselves. If you are more of a sarcastic, straight, direct person, don't need to put on any mm. act or anything when you teach and be more frou-frou or more philosophical. If that's not you, it'll come through regardless of how great your sequence is. I think there, there is an authenticity that does exist with teachers. And you can just tell people that are comfortable in their own skin for the most part. And when they share, yeah, it just leaves you feeling very supported and almost protected by them being who they are wholeheartedly and with confidence. I think it makes the whole class kind of just run. Yeah, run at the end where even if I'm like beat up, I've worked out a lot or, or I haven't worked out a lot or whatever it may be. At the end, I still go, you know, what? that was a good class. And sometimes it's not like you could put your finger on exactly what they did, but it's more the way wow. they made you feel internally, not physically, that you walk away going, that's a good class. And I think that to me currently is what rings true for like your class, Jason's class, Annie's class, Brock's class, Calvin's class, Tiff's class. Um, I think that's the thing is like, everybody's so different, but at the end of the day, at the end of it, I, I go, I feel good inside. I feel, I feel good wow. about myself there, you know? And the thing about all those people too, depending on your sequence and whether you're anatomical or not, I've been doing this with the mentors is having, having an anchor of some sort that you as a teacher pulls on and draws yourself back to mm. in the middle of a class, not necessarily an anchor for your students. And it could be, Hey, we're going to work on adduction of the thighs today. That could be an anchor for everybody. But I think for me as a teacher, personally, the way I like to sequence or at least move through things is, Oh, Hey Dice, there is that one thing that we're trying to post ourselves up on because that does give us a directive and having that anchor or the, that, that, that buoy that kind of keeps us in the turbulent waters, it still holds us in place regardless of how high the water goes. That, that thing is what also, I think, breeds a pretty good, well-rounded class is having an, a directive of any kind, whether it's emotional, philosophical, but having a direction that you're trying to take yourself and then in turn guide, you know, captain the ship with everybody on it to a good place. Um, yeah, I hope that answered the question. Wow, I think, I mean, yeah, it, it answered it. And I just want to like almost summarize it in two things. One is that's incredible. Um, I think the thing that I heard you say is when a teacher shows up authentically as themselves, it gives all of us permission and to feel that we can be authentically ourselves. Like you're like, wow, I feel good being me because there was a person who felt good being them. And Absolutely. Again, we're sharing not what we're saying and not what we think we're teaching. We're sharing what we are. And mm. you're right. You know, if you um, if you want to be a teacher who speaks full philosophy, don't just come in with a bunch of philosophical things written down that you heard was really good. Understand that. Let it like live in you. Let it breathe mm. in you, and let the Freudian slip just happen. Yeah. Because you know it's going to come out. The truth will air. And so if that truth is something that you are, are connected to and you've done the work to, to understand that, then yeah, then that, that Freudian slip isn't something to be afraid of. It's something to embrace and just know you're just going to keep sharing what you are and mm -hmm. you can you choose to do that. And the other thing you said was having that anchor. And I love that. I always feel that. And I think that's something when we first talked um, and you were, we were, I was thinking you would ask for feedback and I was like, you know, I always learn a lot from you. The, th the days that I learn the most are when you're like, hey, we are going to do the adduction of the something, something or other. Mm -hmm. And now in my head, I'm like, okay, 
I know we're going to do a bunch of stuff, but this is the thing that I'm going to take away. This is the thing that I'm going to, I'm really going to hear when he cues this, what directions he's coming from. And I've always, I agree with you. I've always felt like that's such a strong uh, form for the formlessness that is yoga, right? We have this thing that, that guides the direction. It's, it's a, uh, it's the path we're heading, but then along the way, you take us into all these incredible places and, and show us how this one thing, uh, you know, to go back, it can be, well, that's, <laughs> uh, only I, I try, I really wanted to not say it, but I'm going to say it. You have this one thing and you just dice it up a million yeah. different ways <laughs> and serve it to us. It, it oh. came and then I caught myself and I was like, you can't say that. And no, I was like, I mean, oh, you like, can't say it if it's very, <laughs> I've heard it before. <laughs> so um, I know that this is probably a little bit over and nah, I just want to say, I just want to say thank you so much for you know having this conversation. If there's anything else you have oh, to say no. or ask. <laughs> no, no. Thank you so much, Alex. And I, I appreciate, yeah, I just appreciate your candor. I appreciate your smile. I appreciate your heart, brother. And I'm I'm fortunate enough to call you a colleague in many different places. So I'm stoked. And and a neighbor as well. So um, dude, no, it's been great chatting with you, all things yoga, life. Um, and I, I look forward to more times in the future, man. Me too. I can't wait. And I hope you all appreciated this and enjoyed this conversation with us. <laughs> all right. Take care, glow friends. See ya. See ya. Thank you to our entire team behind the scenes at GLOW. I'm so grateful for your care and commitment to serving our members around the world. Thank you to our teachers for so beautifully sharing your gifts and talents. I'm also grateful to our lovely community of GLOW members. You've supported us since 2008, and because of you, we get to continue to do the work we love. It's the combined support of our team, our teachers, and our community that grants me the privilege to continue to bring you the GLOW podcast. Thank you to Lee Schneider, Red Cub Agency for production support. And the beautiful music you're hearing now is by Carrie Rodriguez and her husband, Luke Jacobs. And remember, take care of yourself because our world needs you. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. You can find the Glow Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or glo.com slash podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Derek Mills.